And what is it that we're doing as believers? What is it that we're doing in the church that is re-engaging there, that is getting engaged, that is getting involved, that is making a difference? Dr. West Stafford said that, that uh, Satan is using both prosperity and poverty to break the heart of God. Poverty says you have no value, and prosperity says your value is in your stuff. Somehow, we have missed out on what I believe God is inviting us to do, and that's to get engaged. Now, here's how we would describe it at LifeBridge. Oftentimes, I'll say this at church. There's a stream that goes by the front door of our church. And over the years in America, we haven't liked what's happening in that stream. We don't like what's happening in media. We don't like what's going on in culture. Uh, we, we look at that stream. It's muddy and murky and chunky. There's stuff floating in it. And uh, we don't like it. So what have we done over the last five or six decades? We've created up behind the church a parallel stream. We didn't like what was happening in business organizations, so we started our own uh, business clubs. We didn't like what was happening in uh, the public school, we started our own schools. We didn't like what was happening in music, we started our own music industry. And on the list is gone. Now, interestingly enough, uh, this stream behind the church statistically does all the things that the stream out in front of the church does. We divorce at the same rate, we get addicted at the same rate, we go in debt at the same rate. We have a lot of the same issues. But at least the water is a little cleaner back here. And what we've been suggesting is that we just get in the stream that goes by the front door. Let me over-illustrate it this way. We didn't like what was happening in public schools, so what did we do? We started our own schools. We took the Christian teachers and Christian parents and Christian kids and Christian lunchroom staff and Christian coaches and, and Christian administrators, and we started our own school, and we say to the public schools, go to hell. Now, I realize that's a bit of an overstatement, but what happens is we have lost our ability to speak into the fabric of our community because we have disengaged from our community. We are saying, hey, if you come here, we've got what you need. And so we stand on the banks of the water and we shout at it. You're going the wrong way. You're doing the wrong stuff. You're headed in the wrong direction. And the truth is they can't hear us there anymore. Do you know if you lived in a metro area, let's say like the Dallas area, in the 1980s, researchers said you heard about a thousand marketing messages a day. That's a thousand messages calling for your attention, asking for you uh, to give them uh, something that, that you, that marketing is designed to create a dissatisfaction in your life. And so a thousand marketing messages a day. Today in that same metro area, 5,000 marketing messages a day. That's a lot of voices calling for you saying, hey, we have what you need. We have what you want. We have what will help your life. And what do people do? We filter all that stuff out. And the church has been filtered as well. We stand in a community and we shout at the water and they can't hear us anymore. I love marketing stuff, and uh, I looked at some of the marketing materials you have around here on Baylor, and, and some great stuff, great images, good logos, something that draws you in, because that's what marketing is supposed to do. Uh, one of my favorite ad campaigns was that Coke campaign several years ago, the one that said, Coke adds life. You remember that campaign? You, I had this picture that, that here was the assembly plant, the Coke, and the bottle came down the line, and they put in the syrup and the sugar and the carbonation, and then some guy at the end of the line uh, sticks in life and peace and joy and happiness and contentment. And you pop that top off and you drink it and you got life. Coke gives me gas. How come they never tell you that in the commercials, you know? <laughs> so here we do. We stand at the bank and we shout at the water and they can't hear. So as a church, what we decided to do back in the early 90s was to say uh, this. How is it that we get involved in the stream that goes by the front door? 
So we started partnering with our public schools and we got involved with nonprofits and social services. And today where we're at, let me fast forward a little bit and we're just touching the top of it. We have three or four hundred uh, volunteers in our public schools. We, we have 54 partnerships with nonprofits and government agencies. The social services department in our area pays our church a quarter of a million a year to run some programs for them. What we found is there's a terrific way to create relationship when you get in the stream. Eric and I were scheduled to speak together yesterday, and, and we've become very good friends uh, over the years. And, and let's suppose that this morning, as we're headed out, Eric says, you know, hey, you had some decent stuff to say. I think my stuff was better. He often says that to me. But, um, and, and he says, and that shirt you got today, though, man, you should have picked a different shirt. I, I just don't like that shirt. Now, the truth is, we've been friends long enough for me to, to uh, have to listen to him. I may not like what he says. It might disappoint me. I might, I might argue with him. I, I might get my feelings hurt. I might pout. It, it might make me teary. But the truth is, we've been, we've been enough life together that he's earned the right to speak into my life. Now, let's suppose this morning out in the lobby, one of you says to me, hey, you know, that shirt, man, I, you know, really, you should get another shirt. Here's what's going to happen. Later on today, I'm going to call home. My wife's going to say, how'd it go? I'm going to say, yeah, I think it went pretty good. I enjoyed some of the people I met. It was a good group. I liked some of the things they had to say. And, and I met one idiot, though, that didn't like my shirt. Here's the deal. We don't have that relationship strength for you to speak into my life. And that's what's happened in the church. For whatever reason... We talk about all the stuff going on in society today that we don't like. We talk about the fact that we don't get a seat at the table. We, we talk about the fact that people want to keep uh, faith out of the public square, out of uh, the public discussion. I think it's been our fault. We've backed up and backed up and backed up. And now we don't have the relationship strength to speak into the fabric of our community. And so what we've been talking about with all this externally focused is simply how is it that we get engaged? I'm just a practitioner. And so I look at it at a practical level from us at a local congregation. How is it that we can be making a difference in our community? How is it that we get engaged in the stream that's going by the front door? Because there are terrific needs and terrific opportunities. And the church has one thing that every agency in your community needs. It has people and they need volunteers. And we've discovered that simply by volunteering, by plugging in, by coming alongside, we've created opportunities to speak into the fabric of the community. We've created opportunities for us to get connected and to partner and to look at those things that can make a difference in our community. You remember when you were in third or fourth grade, your teacher had you bring something from home and you stood up in front of the classroom and, and uh, you showed whatever it was and then you told about it. It was show and tell. Teachers did that to learn something about you, to get some confidence, you know, and, uh, and for you simply to, to uh, share a bit of who you were. Uh, well, show and tell was, here's what we have, and then we tell about it. And somewhere along the line, the church has flipped that uh, in, in the United States, and we do more telling than we do showing. And I'm simply inviting us to show and tell because what's happened for us is we have created these great relationships. I would love to say that our years of being involved in the public schools have created a dramatic difference in our public schools. Our public schools now are, are terrific and great and, and, uh, and boy, they're the model for the rest of the, of the country. And that wouldn't be true. 
But I can tell you that we've had four or five hundred teachers and coaches and administrators who've come to Christ as a result of the connection. I can tell you that we have people plugged into the schools who care about those kids and are looking for ways to uh, minister and, and have an opportunity to speak grace into life. I can tell you that our, uh, our school district regularly calls us and asks us, how can uh, you help us? What is it you think about what we're doing right now? What, what simply has happened is we said, let's get in the stream that goes by the front door. Uh, Jesus tells a great story, doesn't he, about the Good Samaritan story in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there. It's a familiar story to us. In Luke chapter 10, we see this great story that Jesus tells, and he tells it in response to a question he gets asked. And, And you know the question, an expert in the law comes to Jesus and says to him, What's the greatest commandment? And you know the whole debate the Jews had over uh, which commandment was the greatest. And Jesus turns it back on him and says, what do you think? And he gives that answer, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. It's to love God with every fiber of your being. That's exactly what God wants us to do, isn't it? To, to love him with everything we have. And then this man goes on and says, and the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, that's a terrific concept. Love God and love others. Now, wouldn't it be great if we could actually do that, to love God with every fiber of our being? It means with all my emotion and all my experience and all my passion and, and all my intellect to, to get engaged in those things that God cares about, to love God with everything. But the truth is, I don't always love God with every fiber of my being. Sometimes I love Twinkies more. Sometimes I love uh, uh, myself more. Sometimes I love what I'm doing more. Uh, Sometimes I get those things out of balance, don't I? To love God with everything I have, Jesus says, matters. And then what's the expression of that? To love others. To love God and to love others. How is it we're doing that? How is that showing up for us? At Lightbridge, we say it this way. We want to help people discover grace, grow in grace, get that loving God part, and to live gracefully. And we don't see it as a stair step or as a one, two, three. We see this as kind of this journey that, that gets muddy and blended together to help people come to know Christ, to grow in Christ, and to live gracefully, for that to be showing up in how they live. And so at Lightbridge, we would say this, we believe that you grow best when you serve. And whether you serve inside our church or outside the church doesn't matter to us. We believe you can get engaged and make a difference. And that loving God and loving others is exactly what God has invited us to do. Well, this guy, being an expert in the law, wants to know the fine print in the contract. And so he says to Jesus, well, who exactly is my neighbor? Is it the people who live in my cul-de-sac, everybody in my HOA? Is it everybody who's in my same zip code, everybody that has the same uh, city uh, name that I... Who's my neighbor exactly? And Jesus tells this great story, and you know this story. I won't read it for you, but, but you, you know the story. A, Jesus says there's a man who's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He gets mugged. He's laying on the road, half dead, naked, and bleeding. A priest comes by and sees him, and he passes by on the other side, ignores his needs. A Levite, another religious leader, comes by and sees him, and he too passes by. And then a Samaritan. You know what? Jesus uh, does that ironic twist because Jews and Samaritans hated each other. A Samaritan shows up, and he's the one who helps him out. And Jesus says to, to the expert in the law, now, Now, that's my idea of a good neighbor. So it's a great story. And you hear Good Samaritan stories all the time. I saw USA Today had a a headline not long ago that talked about someone being a Good Samaritan. So Jesus tells this story about what does it mean to love God and love others. 
and tells this story. And this is a story about a guy coming down the road, laying half dead, naked and bleeding, and then the religious community gets their shot. They're the first ones invited in, and they ignore it. And what does God do? Well, he finds help from this person from another place. Listen to what's going on in our world today. There's a lot of concern from a lot of other places beyond just the church about taking care of AIDS and poverty and, and, and tremendous social issues. Because God is not always going to wait for the church to show up when we choose not to get in the stream. This, this, uh, this priest and this Levi, before we're too tough on them, though, they're asking a question that I've asked a million times. Our church asked way too often. And here's the question they're asking. They're saying, what is going to happen to me if I stop and help this guy? What's this mean to me? Am I going to get hurt? Am I putting myself in danger? Am I going to uh, lose sight of my agenda? Am I going to get thrown off track with what I was supposed to be doing? We have other things we care about. We just don't have time to get to this one. What's going to happen to me? Now, the Samaritan, he asked a different question, didn't he? What was the question he was asking? What's going to happen to this guy if I don't stop and help? And when our church started asking that question in our community, I have to tell you, it changed us. In fact, what it's done is piled a lot of guilt on me for all the ways we didn't get involved in years past. What's going to happen to this guy if we don't get engaged? And then this Samaritan did five things very quickly, and they really parallel what Eric and I have discovered around churches and ministries around the world that have five common characteristics that Eric talked about yesterday, and I want to kind of bring them back to a personal level for us now. Because this Samaritan did five things that, uh, that I'm convinced that we need to be doing. Forget what we're doing as a body. Think about what I'm doing as a person. The Samaritan sees this guy, and he helps him. The first thing he did was see him. He he was going down the road, and there's a guy laying half dead, naked and bleeding, and he sees him. And and do you know how often you and I don't see the people around us? We don't see the needs. We don't see what's happening. How often we as a church recognize that there was stuff going on in our community that we just had no idea about. We weren't connected to. We missed out on some of the terrific needs that were going around. This guy sees this guy in need, and then he gets his hands dirty. He gets involved. He gets down. He helps this guy out. Um, it's a messy business if we're going to get engaged. It's a messy business if, if you and I are going to invite our congregations to get plugged into the stream that goes by the front door. You get down in that water, and it is murky and muddy and cold at times. And, and those folks who, who get plugged in, who end up being a part of what we're doing as a community of believers, they come with their stuff. You know, Lynn talked about that a lot last night. They come with their busted and broken lives and busted hearts. And and the truth is we all walk with a limp and some walk with a really big limp. And if we're going to get involved in the needs around us, it's a messy business. To get engaged means that we do get our hands dirty. Well, the third thing this guy did was he was inconvenienced, wasn't he? He, he, he was on his way doing whatever he had to do. I'm pretty sure he didn't get up that morning and say to his wife, hey, I've got to go down uh, from Jerusalem uh, down to Jericho. I'm going to be gone for a couple of days. I've got a business deal down there. And hey, I hope you pray for me because I really hope today on my way down there, I find some guy laying on the road half dead, naked, and bleeding. I'm pretty sure he didn't start his day like that. I'm pretty sure behind his donkey wasn't a little trailer 
that said, the half-dead, naked, bleeding, 501c3, please support us. I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty sure he was doing what you and I are doing today. We're on our way to whatever we're doing. We're on our way to our lives. We're involved. We're engaged. And then there's this need. And what are we going to do about that? And when that happened for us as a church, it was a turning point. When I went to LifeBridge, uh, six weeks after I got there, we were celebrating our 100th anniversary. I was 31. I didn't have a clue about what we were doing. It was my first ministry. Our church was running about 500 at the time. and been through some do- good church in the community, um, great reputation, kind of traditional in the way we were doing things. And so we started opening up a lot of doors and started creating opportunities to connect to people who wouldn't go to church. And, and, uh, and we started growing. We got up to uh, around 1,000, 1,200, 1,500. 85% of those people were new believers. I was, I was feeling pretty decent about that, except there was this haunting question for me. We were doing a good job of saying, hey, we're here if you need us, but I didn't think we were making much of a difference in our community. So the question we were asking was, if our church disappeared, if we got nuked out of the city somehow, not the building, but the people, would anybody miss us? Would anybody notice we were gone? And that began the journey for us of, of finding ways to get engaged. In fact, that year, uh, we did this big uh, Christmas event that was a, not just a big program in the auditorium, but this interactive kind of Christmas deal with a Dickens Village. And last year we did it, we had 32,000 people show up. Um, and I said, but I think maybe we're doing the wrong thing. And so we canceled that year and we said, what if we take those same volunteers and those same uh, number of hours and we get plugged into the community? And that year, uh, I think we did like 15,000 hours of community service. And that opened the door for us to look for ways to what are the real needs going on in our community? What are the real things that are happening? Just two weeks ago, there was a, a meeting in the state of Colorado related to foster care and adoption and the burdening issue going on in America and particularly um, in each of our communities. And uh, Boulder County Social Services director got up and said, we had something happen uh, that has never happened in the 100-year history of our uh, family planning and family services. We have more homes available than we have kids. And then she said this in the state uh, meeting. And it's because of that LifeBridge Church in Longmont that that happened. Now, I'd love to say to you, we had some great strategy for that. There was some great, but here's what happened. As a result of us talking to people about living gracefully, there's some people in our church who had a real burden on their heart for caring for disenfranchised kids. And so they started encouraging us to find ways, and they started recruiting their friends and their neighbors in our small groups, and we started getting some of our small groups engaged and asking them to look for ways. And as a result, we have, uh, we have 100 or 200 families in our church who, who have been trained in our foster uh, care parents who are looking at that as, here's a way God is inviting me to get in the stream, to get my hands dirty, to live gracefully in our community. This guy was inconvenienced. Well, the fourth thing he did was befriend this guy. On the way down, I'm sure he got to know him. He got to get engaged in his life and as a result uh, created some kind of relationship. And and here's what we've discovered. That as we create relationship, 100% of the time, people eventually get asked, why are you doing this? And when they do, they get a chance to talk about what God's done in their life and what, uh, why grace makes a difference and how they get engaged. And that's how we've been seeing people come to Christ in the life of our church. It has come out of the relationship, the connection that happens, and that serving has provided that. I think Eric said it this way uh, yesterday, that good deeds create goodwill, and from that you get to share good news. It has been an opportunity for us to get close enough to whisper. Instead of shouting at the water, getting close enough to whisper. What was the fifth thing this guy did? You all know the story. What what is it that he did? What was the last thing that the Good Samaritan did? 
He left money. Do you know what the first thing I've often done and the first thing our church did for a long time? Man, we wrote a check. You know why? Well, one, there was a need. And two, man, I didn't have to feel so bad then. I did something about this. Now, those agencies and those things going on around you, they certainly need our resources. But we've said, let's find a way to get plugged in. One of, one of the most um, uh, hurtful things I ever heard about us happened um, probably a decade or so ago, maybe 15 years now. Uh, some of our folks got involved with a, uh, an initiative that was engaged in providing uh, basic needs for homeless people in our community. And so uh, they were helping out down there and, and uh, they were packing food boxes and, and doing some other things. And the director of that got chatting with them and, uh, and just asked, you know, how did you get plugged in? And, and they said, well, our church encouraged us to come down here. And she said, what church? And, and she said, uh, LifeBridge. And the lady said back to her, LifeBridge? Well, y'all always write checks, but you never get your hands dirty. Wow. How is it that we get engaged in the needs going by the front door? Because the truth is, there's a lot of half-dead, naked, and bleeding people. And whether you do this at a local level or whether you do it at a global level, there are tremendous opportunities today for us to get engaged. Eric and I describe it this way at a personal level. We believe we ought to be externally focused churches, but more than that, I ought to have an externally focused life, that our lives are on loan, and, and that Ephesians 2, 8, 9, if they're true for people, then so is verse 10, that God has some good things prepared for them to do. And how are we getting them engaged in those good things? How are we uh, opening up to their loves, their passions, the things they care about, uh, the, the intersections, they're paying attention to those, that they're using their resources of time and, and treasure, and, and they're doing it for a kingdom purpose. How How is it that we can begin uh, to get our folks doing that? Because I'm convinced as we've gotten our folks involved in the community, it has been changing their life and as a result is creating great relationships for us to get connected in the community. But you know what the best thing this guy did actually? Happened earlier in the story. It's my favorite part actually. He comes up on this scene. He sees this guy half dead, naked and bleeding. And then he he got off his donkey. Actually, be glad I didn't read that out of the King James uh, Version. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if the church in America, if we as believers would just get off our donkeys and get engaged? And when we do, I believe God does something that we can't explain or maybe even understand. Because there's this multiplication thing that God does as we look for ways to get in the stream that goes by the front door. Well, let me close with this story. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories. Larry Walters was a 33-year-old truck driver, and he'd never had the opportunity to fly. And uh, one day, he and his buddies got together, and they took one of those aluminum lawn chairs, you know, the kind with the straps that are fraying, and they staked it to the ground. They tied uh, 30 weather balloons filled with helium to the chair. Then they strapped Larry in. They tied him in with a rope. They gave him a CB radio so he could talk about what he was seeing as he floated around. Uh, They uh, gave him some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches uh, in case he got hungry. They gave him a BB gun to shoot the balloons uh, when it was time to come down. And then a six-pack of beer in case he got thirsty, which I think somehow that's probably what got the whole thing messed up to begin with. 
So Larry's in the chair and he says, go, and they cut the rope. And instead of leisurely floating over a Southern California neighborhood, Larry shot 14,632 feet through the approach corridor to Huntington Beach International Airport. Can you imagine pilots going, man, what was that? You know, <laughs> they said Larry started shooting his BB gun as fast as he could. And when he landed, the police were there, the FAA was there. And of course, there were some news reporters there. And the wire story I picked this off of, one of the reporters asked him if he was afraid. And he said, I was frightened out of my mind. And then they said to him, would you ever do this again? And Larry said, not in a million years. And then one reporter asked, well, why'd you do this? And I loved his answer. He said, well, you can't just sit there, can you? (laughs) You know what? It doesn't matter whether you are in a a larger congregation or a smaller congregation. Rural or urban. Doesn't matter if if, uh, you have a lot of resources at your disposal or a little resource. There's this stream going by the front door. And there are incredible needs. And God's calling us into that stream. And you can't just sit there. Can you? 